Jesse, why aren't we firing the intro? Because you got to do Manscaped. What? Since when? I'm just, Every we do it episode. <laughs> we do it here? The one part of you that you should never scape uh-huh. is that beautiful, bouncing Clark Kent curl you have. Thank you. I don't know, I don't know what it's, I look no. like right now. It's no, why are you putting it up? No, it looks bad. I love watching it dangle all show. Oh, okay, well, it's not it's going like to. It's like a Christmas ornament. But listen, if you got things dangling where you don't need them to be, Manscaped. Oh. Go to manscaped.com slash dangle. Receive 20% off your next purchase and free shipping. Now can we play the intro? Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. The Steve Dangle Podcast. With your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. All right, so... um. We had an outline for the show. Uh, the Hockey Diversity Alliance has put out a statement on behalf of Isaiah Myers Crothers, Meyer Crothers. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to completely upend what we were going to do. We're going to talk to Dave at Sports Interaction, and then we're going to break that down. And obviously, we've also got some Leafs, some Devils, some Flames, some Oilers. Uh, devils? Because they're, they're a wagon, Jesse. Seven he straight wins. He said this. I have been on the Devils bandwagon since the beginning. Devils fans, you know. Do you know that I have a huge following in New Jersey? I bet you didn't. Anyway. And they let's all not, love him. Let's not Unanimously. Get, yeah, especially especially Devils fans' Twitter accounts. They, they think I'm great. Arizona, Long Island, all the places Actually, where Islanders Adam fans been. are great now. Oh, I know. They were, they were mad at us for a bit, but I, they were awesome. They were that, that friend you fight with. Long enough that you like each other? Yeah, you're like, God, I kind of respect you a little. Damn it. Anyway, listen, Devils, we're talking about you coming up. First, though, let's get into it. Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook presents You Can Bet That with David Bastel. Must be 19 plus. Please play responsibly, Ontario only. What game will John Tavars... Tavars... Uh, when will he score his 400th goal? He's coming up on it. Now, Dave... Uh, there are some interesting picks here, and if he goes on a cold streak, you could win big. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. So we have we have at Sports Interaction in our props section, uh, basically every single Leaf game for the month of November because it's got to happen in November, right? Right. So, yeah. Um. So yeah. So the the next one's on Remembrance Day against the Penguins. Then we have one on the twelfth against the Canucks. Fifteenth against the Penguins. Those three are the best. So as far as lowest odds are concerned. So odds makers are thinking it's within that range. I'm kind of looking at that Canucks one right now, personally, because the Canucks let everything in, but the kitchen sink. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I, 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 he can't go on a cold spell. Uh, Kenny Pengu- penguins too, though. And also okay. no, because he's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the penguins are the penguins which are- penguin game, Steve, the first penguins yeah. game on the 11th or the 15th. Cause they play close together. And he just no. needs one, right? Yeah. He's no one goal away. I go for the show. I go for the show. The Leafs started to change the narrative, and this is where they put a stamp on it. Hockey night in Canada against the Canucks. Wow. Okay. 
I mean, cool. it might be fun if it happens November 21st versus the Islanders, wouldn't it? Oh! oh. oh. But then uh, but then it's like, we gotta he, wait. Hasn't, he hasn't scored in five games. Yeah. What's the narrative? Yeah. No, but you but know then what? He, he changes it again. The, <laughs> he scores against the Islanders. Too bad. Yeah, too bad that wasn't on Long Island. Then he could do the P.K. Subban crossbow across oh. center ice. Right? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's John Tavares' style for sure. <laughs> in a nutshell. In a nutshell. I, I think he might high-five his teammates. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Partial smile. Yeah, he'd literally be like, "This is just other goal." No, we, we did well. <laughs> anyway, Dave, uh, thank you so much. Go to sportsinteraction.com/stpn, and we will see you tomorrow, sir. Sounds good, guys. All right. So uh, since Monday, um, since Monday show, we did the full timeline breakdown for you. Um, there the has Chris, been a- the Chris Johnston show was fantastic as well. Well, I like our show too. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> no, they did a great job. I, I think, uh, I think this has been a really, um, I, I just, it's just, it gets worse and worse and worse every day. And I thought stupidly that Monday, I'm like, okay, well, we've sort of hit the apex of the story here. Uh, we have not hit the apex of the story, um, and things just kept going. So. Obviously, if you want to break down of that stuff that happened this weekend for context, I completely understand that. We got it. CJ's got it. They did a great job. Check check out the CJ show. Um, but uh, we do know that a podcast with Mitchell Miller's um, agent came out and he was given an hour to do, you know discuss uh, and talk. And um, a few things were said throughout that episode um, that I suppose, you know, if you're Eustace King, you're paid to be Mitchell Miller's agent. Um, and you are basically, um, you're there to advocate for the person. And, you know, lawyers have to defend murderers all the time. Um, and I think that... To you, give an extreme well, example. Well, that's an extreme example. But you know what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. Right? Like, I, 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 I listened to the full hour and I looked at it as a very biased framing of events. Right. Yeah. As you Is would there expect, a lot of pushback or no from the people who were hosting the show. Yeah, no, it was he received a platform to speak his what he thinks is is the side of the story, Mitchell Miller's side of the story. So right? there was, yeah. you know, there uh, there are some interesting uh, moments that are quite uncomfortable in it, as you would expect, and 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 I think you know there's. Uh, there's a Jesse and I were talking about it before the show. There's a moment where you know. Uh, uh, Whereas uh, Eustace King basically says, hey, you know, these guys were friends. They were going to meet up in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they've been talking for a while. And this, you know, uh, it goes into the whole background about how this all came about from their perspective. But I think what's important today that we need to focus on is what the Hockey Diversity Alliance uh, just posted on behalf of Isaiah Meyer Crothers in his own words. Yeah, I haven't read any of this can yet. we get well, after we do this can we get back to what uses king and how that compares yes to and i think this? i think it's it's more important to listen to this yeah. first and then break down mm-hmm. some pieces of that interview again i don't want to shine too much of a spotlight on it uh uh because i i don't i don't know how i feel about that I, I well, I do know how I feel about that, and I feel extraordinarily uncomfortable. Uh, I'll be honest with how I feel. The second I saw that podcast was released, I I thought I'd rather be thrown out of a plane. So, <laughs> so yeah, and, and that I'm to trying this, to be, I'm I trying knew. to be measured. Yeah, but yeah, it was. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's get to the. This is what matters here. Mm-hmm. This is why I want to start here. Steve has not heard this. He was driving here when this was released. Yeah. 
Uh, what you're about to hear, by the way, is extremely difficult. Uh, I don't know what kind of trigger warning I could put on this, uh, but I want to warn you, and you can be forgiven if you want to skip this, uh, because it's, it's very, very tough. This is, uh, this says, the statement below is in Isaiah's own words. Some passages have been lightly edited for brevity and clarity. And they actually make notes where they've, they've done that. I am Isaiah Meyer Crothers. I would like to make a statement. I have been bullied since I was in the first grade. There were not many black kids at my school. I was called brownie and the N-word. Kids said my black mom and dad didn't love me. And that's why I had white parents. Mitchell used to ask me to sit with him on the bus, and then he and his friends would punch me in the head. This happened my whole time in school. When I went to junior high, Mitchell would spit in my face and call me the N-word. I stopped telling because they would call me a snitch, and I would get made fun of, as in telling the teachers, telling authorities. I had to say, I had to say that I was his N-word to sit at his table. And he made me clean the whole table. He threw food in my face. I was called the N-word every day. The office would tell me to stay away from him because he wasn't my friend. Once he got expelled from school, his friends started bullying me. He pretended to be my friend and made me do things I didn't want to do. In junior high, I got beat up by him. Everyone thought he was so cool. But I don't see how someone can be cool when you pick on someone and bully someone your entire life. In the middle of October, I was texted constantly every day until I answered a Snapchat and IG message from Mitchell Miller. He asked me why I always have my parents doing stuff for me and why I can't speak for myself. I told him I don't care what my parents say, I'm old enough to speak for myself. He told me he was sorry and, and this is one of the, the corrected for brevity, and that the apology didn't involve hockey. He told me he was doing stuff in the community and helping the youth, and wanted to be my friend. I told him, that's all cool, but where is the proof though? He didn't give me any proof. All the lies I've been told from him for so many years, I don't believe what Mitchell told me. He kept asking me to be his friend, and that he has changed over the years from what he did. I told him, I'm not just going to be your friend after all you did to me. I am not getting messages on social media. Sorry, I am now getting messages on social media from people calling me a slow R-word ass clown and you stupid N-word saying that I need help. Mitchell isn't my friend. It hurts my heart what he did to me. So I wanted to tell everyone when Mitchell says we're friends, it isn't true. I can't take more of this. And that's where the letter ends. And I think it's important that you understand that late in the interview with Eustace King, he makes a comment, and I'm going to paraphrase uh, on that podcast. He makes a comment uh, about, um, uh, about Akimalu being in Isaiah Meyer Crothers' year. I, I had heard that. There's a comment about that. And obviously, the HDA uh, does have a relationship, and Akeem did reach out. But when you say it in a, in, in a term like that, uh, also in the, uh, um, in the podcast, and again, these are not our words, and this is not associated with our network, um, Eustace King says, 
I, I believe there is some sort of developmental disability, but we don't know what it is. When he, when we're speaking, when speaking to about Isaiah Meyer Crothers, I'm so, I'm sorry to smile, but like, do some do do any work, bro. There's do any. Why well, I, I think your initial uh, like reaction to Eustace King doing an interview and that coming out, mm-hmm. your reaction is I would I don't want to listen to that. That's that's <laughs> it's the correct reaction. And I don't think anybody should seek out the show and go listen to it. Because to, to to further Adam's point, there's there's things in here that go directly against the narrative that Eustace King was trying to put out there uh, in the show. So they talk about how uh, Isaiah talks about how they're not friends. Uh, he received a bunch of messages in the interview. Eustace King says that Mitchell Miller has been working hard uh, to connect with Isaiah. They've been talking since the summer. They've had plans to meet up in Detroit, where Isaiah currently lives. And he's framing these messages as these are two friends talking instead of what Isaiah points at as the reality of the messages as he's just been hounding me to try and get an apology so he can sign a contract. Someone's being very obviously intentionally um, untruthful. Mm -hmm. And the question you have to ask yourself, and Jesse, I'll let you continue just a second, is who has more to gain here? And who has more to lose here by telling the truth? I don't think by not telling the truth got anything to gain. I think he just wants to be left alone. This is this is what I'm saying, right? So it's like when you're looking at one side, what side to believe here? It's sort of like who's got something to gain out of this? Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. And this is the last thing, and then I'm going to leave this interview for the rest of my life and never try and never think about it again. (laughs) But like Eustace King, (laughs) as as a black man uh, in that interview, he tried he he framed Mitchell Miller's use of the n-word in school to isaiah as a sense of camaraderie in that he would use it in a friendly matter instead of a racially charged way so he excused he he tried to provide an excuse for mitchell miller's use of the n-word consistently through school and I found it so shocking and appalling. Uh, there's also a point where uh, Eustace King says that he didn't know that, that Mitchell Miller didn't know that Isaiah uh, Meyer Crothers was um, uh, was developmentally uh, hindered. I don't I don't even know what the right term is because I don't know what the the what it what it actually is. But to be frank, it really doesn't matter. Like it's sort of he's like, well, he he what they're essentially trying to do here is diminish, you know, what somebody with I, I don't know if it I don't know if it if it would matter to you listening. But but I think um, to me, it really bothers me that somebody who does have a developmental disability, we don't know what it is, but we know that it exists. It's not really any of our business that that would be diminished to to make another player who was racist towards the first person look better or look less bad. You know, it's like, well, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a developmental delay, but I mean, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like, you know, on a scale. Say, say, say what you mean. It's not, it's not, it's not, say, one, say what you mean. it's not one of the ones where they like, it's not that bad. <clears throat> yeah. I just, you know, and I, I you, you know, that's obviously touchy for me, right? With well, and I, that's why I thought I would ask you about it. Yeah. Uh, so there's my sister who like, I can't really have a 
proper conversation with, right? How old is your sister? She's 31 now. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot there, but, uh, uh, yeah, just say what you mean. Say what you mean. He's hot. Is, is the popular term now high functioning? I suppose uh, this guy can stick up for himself. Mm -hmm. Look, he can talk. He makes it a point to mention that Isaiah has a child. He's living on his own. He, he makes these points to try and diminish the disabilities that oh, is that what he said he 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 he, yeah he makes it known that isaiah is living on his own and has has a child child. because he said the reason mitchell reached out initially was to congratulate him on the birth of his yeah that was their initial contact just say what you mean you sis he's i mean he might have had a problem but he's not like one of those you know just say what you mean say what you mean Like, like i haven't been hearing this shit my whole life like i think i think it should carry some weight that all throughout last show, I over and over again said there should be a path to, you know, being able to forgive what Mitchell Miller did because of his age. And I feel like it should carry a little bit of weight because I spent the vast majority of my childhood fantasizing about beating the shit out of kids like Mitchell Miller, right? Uh, my sister went to a different high school, which always made me really uncomfortable because I never knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Right? I The program for her wasn't available at ours. It wasn't available. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot there. there there's, yeah, there's, there's intricate issues to talk about there. But the, the high school she went to, not far away, uh, ha- <clears throat> had the support for her and, and ours didn't. And uh, I always wondered about the possibility of, you know, Mitchell Miller's in that school. And still, though, I'm like, but he was a kid. And he could have grown up. I, throughout all this, I've maintained, it's monstrous what he did. It's possible, possible to make amends. It's not given. And by the way, the, the victim is under no pressure to forgive. It's up to the victim. Yeah. And like, I still think it's maybe, maybe, maybe even possible for him to do the work and simply accept that he's never going to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and what's wrong with doing the work and he should, being a he should do the well, I think yeah. we're all agreed he should be doing the <laughs> fucking then, work yes the, the whole thing about you think there's a path and he can do all this stuff is that he never did any of it well like how many more times how many different ways do people need to be told he hasn't fucking done anything uh like for this to be done and over with I kind of think I don't know I kind of think it is mm-hmm but there's still something lurking out there. I do still after all of this, uh, cause he's what? 20, 21. He's 20. He's 20. Yeah. I think he turns 21 in December. Could he play in the league when he's like 26, 27, 28? Maybe. I mean, a 26, 27, 28 year old is pretty different from a 20 year old, but he needs to go on that walk. He needs to go on that journey and like kid, just fucking do it. 
Just do it. <laughs> Simply put in the work. Again, what I said last show, you know what's harder than apologizing? Learning Russian. I, you're never going to play in the National Hockey League unless you go on this journey. Man, people have, have gone to prison and come back and played the National Hockey League. And you can't find a way in because of what you did in middle school and continued to do afterward. And you're taking the wrong lessons from that. This is, this is the woke mob and cancel culture. Well, it's, it's a victim mentality, the way that right. he and his family yes. have handled it. It's, it's we're the victims here. He, you saw the, the tweets that his dad were retweeting. He was, he's paid for this 20 times over. Guys, you're not the victim. You're not the victim. And, and, and what, I, what I desperately hope, I could give a fucking shit what happens to Mitchell Miller the rest of his life. I don't care. But what I do care about is can we leave Isaiah Maya Crothers alone? Can we, can we, like this well, guy that's all he wants. just wants to be left alone to live his life. And I don't like that because of certain posts on social media, he felt pressured to release a statement himself instead of having his mom. Well, and I wonder if, if that's exactly what happened. Is that what happened? I, well, that's my assumption. Yeah, because they, because there was a group putting out a narrative that yep. it's weird that his mom was speaking up for that, for him. No one thought it was weird that Cam Neely and Don Sweeney had a fucking press conference. You know, when, when a powerful organization goes out there and puts out a message about your family, shouldn't you uh, be screaming from the rooftop what the story actually is, or at very least your version? Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah, like, I think let's all use our heads. The most important thing here is that Isaiah is just a regular person and he's not trying to be an, a national celebrity and he's just trying to live his life and this attention is unwanted. And it's and it, it's the pressure I think it it was definitely the pressure that people were putting out on social media about all oh, his mother's doing all the talking because you clearly see it at the beginning of this Well, statement. and it's not like the people that said that by the way. They're the awful side. I mean, you're, you're, so you got one powerful organization and then another powerful organization pushing that narrative. Mm -hmm. And you just, you, you wonder, like, I, I, I don't know. Nobody has anything to gain here except for, except for Mitchell Miller. I, I the Bruins had nothing to gain. That, that group had nothing to gain. I don't get this. I hate to use the underpants gnomes <laughs> as the comparable here. But every time something like this happens and a Joni Meyer Crothers mm -hmm. uh, pops up and does a, you know, she did a bit of a media blitz. It's first, do media blitz. Second, third step profit. Like what, what, I don't, what do you think the end goal is for her? You know uh, what I mean? Right, by right. by doing all these interviews. No, people are talking about her family and she wants. Yes, she's speaking out on behalf of her son. Like, I don't is think that, you're going to make money off this. Right. Yeah. So to, to, to take the conversation to where it is now, this statement was issued for two reasons. Number one is the one we've just talked about. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that um, the fact that there were people out there going, how come he can't speak for himself? And then number two, it was in response to the, uh, I, I don't know if you call them mistruths. I don't know if you the call spin. them the spin on that podcast. Mm -hmm. And so by the agent. And so where does that leave us? 
And because because now the the question is, okay, so what? So what? Right. What I what I what the, the hardest part for me here is, and I said this on the last episode. We know that hockey culture's got a problem. The NHL denied that for years. It's come out over and over and over again since the firing of Don Cherry. Let's be honest. That's what really kicked off a lot of shit uh, in this sport. I think that's that for me is the first time I can remember the sport going, yeah, we got a, we got a bit of a problem here. We're going to make a change. That happened shortly before COVID. I barely remember it happened. Right. So, but there's been so, and, and here's what I don't get. These concepts aren't hard, right? Players got them. Fans got them. We saw that. In, in Boston, we saw, the, we saw the room stand up and say, we are not okay with this. We don't like this. We don't want this. And we saw the fans come together and say, we're not okay with this. We don't want this. And we're going to do something about this. Because the players way, like I, you never hear, what have you ever heard of an NHL player going against something their general manager did? You, Nothing. The worst I've ever even heard is a coach, and it was Babcock versus Dubas when they wanted to go get a right shot defenseman and ended up with Jake Muzzin, and Babs was upset about it. Or uh, I think it was Nikita Kucherov in like the Russian media saying something about, I don't even think he named Alex he, Kalorn, but we all- it was, it was all about Alex Kalorn's contract and how he didn't play well. Yeah, and then they won a couple cups together, so yeah. I think they're buds. Yeah. Yeah. And even if they're not, they won a couple cups together. Yeah. It's, I, I want to know. It, and I, I'm not saying that there isn't issues with fans and with players too, but I want to know why management and ownership on these teams, and I include Hockey Canada in that, I include um, USA Hockey as well. I don't know much about the rest of the other organizations that represent countries, but we know USA Hockey has its, its blemishes big time, including mm. the person that's running it. Um, we know that uh, hockey Canada has some major issues and I keep asking myself, okay, so we got a hockey culture issue. How do we change it if the people in charge, after all that we have seen in the last, especially the last two and a half years, if they still have not uploaded that into their brains, what are, what are we to do now? I, I still maintain a hope. Um, like, listen, of the, course the you Bruins, maintain a hope, but the Bruins players like what one one thing I noticed um, that was interesting. So the Bruins had their game against the Leafs, and mm -hmm. I thought they were, you know, gripping the sticks really tight. Very next game, um, they're at home. They're wearing the reverse retros. They're joking in the pregame interviews. The vibes are immaculate. All those players got to go out there and have a guilt-free time, and all the fans got to cheer for the players guilt-free because the players did their job, right and the culture of that locker room is so strong um, that it overrode management. And once there's a firing or two that happens here, we know this is a bit of a last dance situation for the Bruins. Guys are going to retire and those guys are going to get hired. The instant Patrice Bergeron retires, he's going to get a job with the Bruins organization. I don't know what it's going to be and maybe he'll have to work his way up or something like that. But that guy is going to be in charge one day. He's going to be in charge of the Boston Bruins. And then he'll be one of the decision makers. 
And I think that's a great thing. That to me is progress. And it's going to take time. And progress does take th- a lot slower. I think if you compare the NHL in the 90s, where there are literal police reports that are reprehensible that you can Google about some of the biggest stars of the game, and those things just went unchecked and they played the next day. I think that we've seen a huge change in the last 30 years from where we were to where we are now. I think we are moving in the correct direction just by compare, comparing what has happened in the past and what uh, you can get away with now. Yeah, there's... There uh, has been a huge change. Yeah, yeah not absolutely. everyone wants to yeah. hear it, but and maybe it's not as quickly as you'd like. It's improving. Progress is slow. We'll get there. Now, I have an issue, and I would like to bring it to the to the fore. Because I don't think, and again, I keep asking why people who are a lot smarter and a lot more credible than I am aren't asking certain questions in hockey. I'll bring it up again. I have a question. I have questions about why nobody's raised anything about Bob Nicholson yet. And I got a question about Gary Bettman's uh, press conference this weekend in Finland. What? I missed that as well. Well, because here's, we got two conflicting stories. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Gary said on Mike, and again, I'll paraphrase. Uh, he said, I had no idea about this. We were not consulted. Remember, that's what the NHL's position was. Okay. We were not. Cam Neely on Monday said, we told the NHL and gave him the heads up on Wednesday. Two full days before the Mitchell Miller signing was announced. And they said, yep, you can register the contract. And the contract, by the way, was registered. I don't know. Nobody's gotten into the details yet, but this guy's going to have to be bought out. Oh, I think there's I think there's a difference in Gary's lawyer speak. I think there's a difference in in he was consulted on the signing of Mitchell Miller and they registered the contract with the league. I think Neely said I gave the league a heads up is what Neely said. I I know they they filed it like Eustace King said it like they filed the paperwork. Everything was registered with Central Registry. I don't know if Gary Bettman's on every single signing that's there. I think he would be on that. But I. And his words were he wasn't like consulted, like they didn't look to Gary Bettman's opinion to make this sign. I I think they just told him we're doing it. Yeah, right. And and so Gary could have said been no. On a flight to Finland. I don't but, know. But yeah. no, no. But that's know. not the impression that he left us with. No, he left oh, us. You with heard the, it. I didn't. Well, he left us with the impression. You go look up the footage mm-hmm. that he did not. He was blindsided like by the by this like the rest of us, hmm. and it distracted. Here's the thing. It distracted from what should have been a celebratory game uh, or a couple of games in Finland. Remember, the NHL was the NHL in Finland this this uh, uh, this weekend should have been something. There should have been a story in North America, right. not a huge story, but it should have been a story. It was nobody cared. Patrick Line's homecoming, nobody gives a shit. Why? Because this took over. Do you want me to play it? Yeah, like play Gary it. said. Who is this from? Uh, it doesn't matter. It's from the press conference. It's just, uh, it's the clip from the press conference. Should be a place for a person with this history in the league today. The, uh, what, what uh, I understand and I've heard through the media, uh, and I totally, uh, what he did as a 14-year-old is reprehensible, unacceptable. Uh, before the Bruins made the decision to sign him, we were not consulted. Uh, I happened to talk to Cam Neely since the time that he was signed. Uh, he's not coming into the NHL. He's not eligible at this point to come into the NHL. I can't tell you that he'll ever be eligible to 
to come into the NHL. If, in fact, at some point they think they want him to play in the NHL, and I'm not sure that they're anywhere close to that point, we're going to have to clear him and his eligibility, and it'll be based on all the information that we get firsthand at the time. So the answer is uh, they were free to sign him to play somewhere else. That's another league's issue. Uh, but nobody should think at this point he is or may ever be NHL eligible. I think you have uh, very careful words in that they weren't consulted on the direct signing. I just, I just feel like how could they not have known? Here's the thing. Again, we talked about this on Monday. You're either you're either stupid or you're ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay? Oh, sorry, stupid and you you like okay. So you're what you're telling me is that a player with this type of history who was relinquished by the team that drafted him. Arizona. Who has been like everybody knows this story. Oh, I, we knew it right away when Every, you mentioned it. Everybody knows the Mitchell Miller, Isaiah Meyer Crothers story. Everybody knows that. And you're telling me Gary Bettman, literal king of hockey, <laughs> at least on the business side. He's literally the emperor, right? Mm -hmm. You're telling me that nobody at head office, that you run like a, a mafia family, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. That you run like your own personal fiefdom. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me that one of the teams on your executive registered a contract with this player and you didn't get the heads up. That you didn't know. And this is, this is my problem. Because he, 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 he says, oh, I did speak to Cam Neely after the signing. That's not what the Bruins were saying. There is, there's definitely a confusion on the timeline here because they announced the signing Friday. Mm -hmm. They, I, I am willing to bet, did not make the signing Friday. Um, no, I think it was Wednesday. Well, so they said they notified the NHL. It would have been Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. We have a press conference Friday. So they signed him Wednesday or Thursday. That mm -hmm. to me sounds like they just told him. Yeah. I don't, I am not inclined to ever give Gary Bettman the benefit of the doubt, mm -hmm. but I kind of believe him more than Cam Neely on this one. And I, I believe think. he chose his words carefully. I well, think obviously. I think at he, least someone has he could have he could have known that the signing was they could have Jeremy Jacobs could have been like hey I'm doing the signing but it wasn't a consultation on should I do this I think he was very careful about his words and he said he, they weren't consulted okay. on the signing like he wasn't asked directly hey Gary do you think we should do this can we do this I think he was just like as somebody told him hey the signing is happening this is it. We're so then, a press conference so then, okay. So let's say that's true. Yeah, that's, and I agree that, with that you. Was the point. I'm sure. I'm sure that's totally true, Jesse. So then, as Gary Bettman, do you not say, "Hey, Jeremy, you know what's going on, right? You guys sure you want to do this, right? I don't know if Gary Bettman and Jeremy Jacobs have conversations about, like, I think the Bruins just looked at this as, okay, this is going to be a bit of a problematic minor league signing. But we're going to restock uh, the cupboards yep. and he'll come up at some point and it'll be fine. Remember, they wouldn't have done this if they knew that the outcome was going to be this. They thought this was fine. The Cam Neely thought this was going to get a thumbs up from the organization, from the media, from the press and be like, OK, yep. here's, here's this kid who's rehabilitated his thing. They thought this was going to be cool. The far more confusing one for me is someone who was given more than 24 or 48 hours heads up. And that's Patrice Bergeron. 
And one thing that was said on the CJ show, I don't remember if it was CJ or Julian, but why on earth consult Patrice Bergeron just to ignore him? Who said, no, I don't want this. And then you went ahead and did it. And you went ahead and did it anyway. And then, ah, it's just Patrice. That's ah. He's got to suck it up. He's just, yeah, I got a team to run. No, man, that's like one of the most, if not the most respected captains in the National Hockey League, that guy has legitimately sent me to therapy, and I still like him. Yeah, they and look at <laughs> they're like he's thirty five. He'll be gone in a little bit. We need some future here. It's twenty year old Mitchell Miller. Yeah, I don't get that. I don't get that mm-hmm. at all. Um, and I, I guess to move on in in the conversation, the Bruins are going to have to pay this guy money, and I think there's a very good chance it ends up on the cap. Um. So the way it is right now, and I was talking to someone about this yesterday. So his contract, according to Cap Friendly, has a signing bonus of $95,000. The way I understand contracts is he's got that money. He's he's either got it or at very least is owed, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. Merry Christmas. They can bury him in the minors for the remainder of the year and... Uh, he makes enough, he makes, he doesn't make enough money for it to be on the cap. So it's just burying that amount of money. Again, if they have to do that for the entire season, they owe him the full season. I think you're looking at this as a typical contract. And I think this has become a legal issue. Well, oh, okay. it's become a legal issue. <laughs> here's, here's it's tweet. not going to be solved like a normal contract. If I'm the other 31 teams in the NHL to now bring this into the competitive sphere. I have a quote, guys. Which it will. Okay. okay. I have a quote. From who? Ken Campbell's got both Gary Bettman and Cam Neely's quotes. Okay. On what I was saying. Gary Bettman said, before the Bruins, and you just heard it, before the Bruins made the decision to sign Mitchell Miller, we were not consulted. Cam Neely, I want to clarify, Don Sweeney talked to NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly on Wednesday. You telling me? It's never not Bill. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. It's you never, never think that that's weird that no one's bringing that up. It's never not that guy, is it? Oh my god, it's right. the worst. And in in that press conference to to defend Gary again, since we're on the fucking defend, he was talking about himself that he wasn't. Bill Daly was sitting right next to him, but Bill Daly didn't speak up. Damn, I wish I could go back you know? to that press conference and go. Was Bill consulted? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, he's a, he's a master with words. He's he's a, a lawyer. Fucking lawyer. Yeah. Now now okay. So, so we're, we're, we were making a point. About the contract. Oh, sorry. So to, to bring this into the, so this is now entering a legal sphere Yes. where, you know, is money going to change hands? Is it just going to get wiped clean? I don't think the one aspect of this, I think I would understand the NHLPA on is I'm not sure I like the precedent that you can sign a guy and then be like, never mind, We didn't sign the guy. Mm-hmm. That's a dangerous precedent to set for players who are not named Mitchell Miller. You know what I mean? And from a competitive sphere, the other 31 teams in the NHL, I think, have a right to be like, why aren't they, if they're buying this guy out, why aren't they getting dinged? Mm-hmm. And it's not a lot of money. Like, it's, I think it's less than a quarter million dollars the next two years. And it's less than $200,000 the two years after that. But it should if you buy him out today on Cap Friendly's buyout calendar or uh, calculator, sorry, it should, if you buy him out today, be a cap hit on the Bruins books for four years. And if I'm a team in the Atlantic division and I happen to cheer for one, 
But if I'm a competing general manager, there are general managers out there who didn't like that the Leafs were flying players in from Europe uh, on their own dime. So don't tell me they're not going to be competitive enough to be like, what the fuck, you bought a player out. Um, if you're one of the other teams in the league, I think you should absolutely be able to ask, sorry, why are they able to just wipe the slate, uh, slate clean on this? Can absolutely. we do that? Yeah, and I think... Can we do this guy? Well, it's like this that Mike, it was like that LA Kings Mike Richards buyout where he just... His yeah. contract just disappeared and no one's ever talked about it. Right. Why? Well, yeah. And they settled on, oh, this is the cap penalty. What? No. There was a, by the collective bargaining agreement, there are here's rules. what it was supposed to be. Yeah. And the Kings just got out from under it. And I think, like, Why? there should also be a stupid tax that the Bruins should have to pay for this whole mess. I. How are they not being fined? Yeah. I, like, I, you know what? They're probably not being fined because Bill Daly knew. It won't. He uh, can't say that Bill Daly knew. Uh, that's a very interesting point. Adam. Bruins fans, I'm not going at you. I'm not going at the no, Boston no, Bruins team. You know, I really respect the Bruins team. However, upper management. Yeah, they the upper management kind of deserves to pay the stupid tax on this one. Now, according to Fluto Shinzawa, um, he was doing fucking unbelievable. Oh my work. god! Oh my yeah. god! Like an instant follow, please. Uh, if Twitter even exists in a couple weeks, but Fluto, uh, Fluto has um, uh, has confirmed that Cam Neely did have a conversation. Finally, did connect with um, uh, Isaiah Joy. Mothers, Joni, and they had a forty-five minute conversation. He offered okay. um, among the things offered, I believe, was obviously counseling help and that sort of thing, and to Isaiah and to the family. And she said she was satisfied with the conversation. That was good. So listen, progress. Was that so hard? We a week ago, we could we could have done that a week ago. Was was that so fucking hard, man? Like again, I like when we all did this thing that we all did the. <laughs> I'm I'm turning you all into Italian nonos. I will do it. Anyway, no, it's yeah. Was that so hard? Seems like it was not. Come on, man. Yeah, come on. This this none of this needed to happen. None of this needed to happen. I think that might be the episode title right there. <laughs> None of this needed to happen. Honestly, if if he had the right guidance around him, and I'm talking about Mitchell Miller, mm -hmm. if he had the right guidance around him, he'd be playing National Hockey League games for the Arizona Coyotes right now. I think the, that is one of the most important things to take out of our Monday conversation and today's conversation is that the people around Mitchell Miller have not been raising him correctly. Mm -hmm. But he's an adult now. And this is his fault. But the, through those through those six years from fourteen to twenty, you know, whatever the the people around him, his parents, his community, they have not uh, done Mitchell Miller the correct service in in raising him with good values. You know, when a when an eight year old's late to school every day, it's not the eight year old's fault. It's the parents who bring him to school. Mm. So, listen, this has been a really tough conversation. If you've made it through. Uh, we really appreciate it uh, because, you know, I think we, I think as a community, we do need to talk about these things. It's not always going to be fun and easy. Clearly, over the last few years, it hasn't been. But also, um, for us to enjoy hockey like we all want to, to have it be an escape, we got we to gotta exercise these. These uh, things have to come out. Things have to change. And so, appreciate it. And, th and things are. And things are. That's, uh, that's an important thing. That things are, they're just not moving yeah. fast enough. You know, oh. You know, if you hate hockey so much, why you cover it? Why you watch it? it oh, come I, on. I believe in it. I believe in it. Yeah. Like, I, 
there's too many good people in hockey for this not to change this and not get better. Yeah, yeah. It's a great sport. Yeah, like for as downtrodden as you can be and discouraged, um, I'm, I'm, the change is there if you look hard enough. Mm-hmm. And, and as time goes, you don't have to look quite as hard. Half of our country is built around getting at Tim Hortons and sitting in a cold rink on a Saturday morning. Hockey's fun. Yeah. There's a reason we all like it. And uh, we're the ones who pay to do it. <laughs> they don't pay us. <laughs> right. So, hey, listen, uh, we are going to take it. This is going to be a difficult thing to move off of and and gently transition into actually talking about hockey games. So there isn't one. Let's talk about the Leafs in Vegas last night. Sorry. I just wanted to say <laughs> what's better than rink fries? Everything and nothing. <laughs> nothing. Remember like, the, uh, the meal at our, the wrestling event we went to? Those oh, fucking fries. Yeah, just, we went to Greektown Wrestling, which was good. essentially in a barn. Like there should have still been hay on the floor, <laughs> and they just set up. Yeah. What? Oh man, what did we get? What was the the chi- the chicken on a stick? Yeah. Do you remember that? And oh. I was like, I have to get the chicken on a stick, and it was literally just a a stick with with little pieces of chicken. Like um, I'm pretty sure they didn't. Yeah, but I don't think they called it souvlaki. I think they just called it chicken, chicken on, a on a stick. Chicken on a stick, yeah. And right. it was like $10, and it was two pieces of sticks and f- six pieces of chicken. Oh, okay, I'm just going to say, did chicken come Wasn't with great. the stick? Oh, it did. <laughs> okay, good. That's important. Listen, you can't you can't be in Greek town and call something Slovakia, and it's not Slovakia. That's why you call it chicken on a stick. Yeah. It was in an arena. People were jumping off of Zambonis, doing elbow drops. Brett the Hitman Hart was there. It was, it was practically... Singing the national anthem together. <laughs> Somebody, oh, and Phil from YTV was there. Yeah, Phil, who's always at those indie wrestling things. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Steve uh, cosplayed as Santino Morella by just being Steve. Oh. <laughs> Eric, I got you with the cobra. <laughs> by the way, Steve was mentioning, is there anything better than ring fries? I'll tell you what's better. What? Uh, Getting off the ice and, and having a nice, warm, not Gatorade. Oh. Not even a power aid. I think I'm going to meet you. A blue uh, thirst quenching drink from whatever <laughs> generic grocery store you're the, the, the family that brought drinks and which was always my family. We brought we would oh, buy yeah? the drinks. We would buy we would bring the worst drinks. It was like it was like, you know, like either there's like there's Coca-Cola, there's Pepsi Cola, there's RC Cola. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And then there's like the Loblaws brand. But you just got off the ice. So you drink it. You're, you're doing those gulps like. <laughs> you <know> those... <laughs> yes. Because you know you're so ones? out of breath that you're so thirsty at the same time. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, absolutely. 